what is my true sleep pattern? How do we optimize what we call that circadian rhythm, which is when is it nighttime? When is it daytime? Mm. And we have these circadian cells throughout our whole body. So if our sleep is messed up, that's why it messes up our gut and it messes up, you know, our immune system and it messes up our skin. And it means just, you know how you feel when you haven't gotten any sleep. You just feel a terrible top to bottom. This is the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast. You heard the theme tune there. It does exactly what it says on the tin. It's Straight Talking Mental Health. My name is Alan Clark. I'm a psychotherapist with a degree in counseling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. What we aim to do with this podcast is we try to be just a little bit different. We try to be as informative as possible and as informal as possible, just to try and, you know, maybe just get these conversations going. And that's that's going to be one of my smiles, actually, later on when we when we get into it, when we get into our smiles and riles. And when I say we, and the other part of the we is the lovely and beautiful Miss Ashling Mailer. Hello, how are you? How are you? I'm grand, thank That's you. the catchphrase. That has to be the catchphrase okay. from now on. How are you? Okay. Uh, I think, I think, uh, we need to do merchandise and that needs to be the slogan. Maybe that's if I can remember it after last week. How are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remembered it, you remembered it this week and that's, that's good. Coming up on the show this week, in the second half of the show, we are talking to Dr. Jennifer Reed, MD, all the way from the States. She's a psychiatrist. She's going to be talking to us about sleep, absolutely vital part of our, not just our mental health, but also our physical health. I pre-recorded the interview with Jennifer, and I have to say, I haven't listened back to it fully because I've been editing, but I'm really excited about it. It's a really good topic. It's one of these ones where it's like, I can't wait just to listen to this one in earnest as a listener because it was so informative so stick around to hear the rest of that as i said with the second half the first half we we just have a check in with ourselves have a little chat about everything that's that's going on with our lives but before we get into that just to do a plug on the social media we did the tiktok live last week we're going to be doing that again i think every week 8 p.m on sunday is that that's what we're going with yeah well that's what you're going with that's what i'm going with asking everybody be in the background somewhere um but yeah 8 p.m on sundays if you want to check in on the tiktok live come in ask any questions around mental health just have the crack anything you want to know give us a shout we'll answer as best we can you want to get us on your other social media it's stmh podcasts that is twitter instagram facebook and as i said tiktok and you can also get us on our website, stmhpodcast.com. We did unknowingly have an issue with the SSL certificate. So a big shout out to Enda, who was actually a new listener from the TikTok Live. Had never heard of us, just seen that we were live, jumped on, liked what he heard. And then he sent me a message to say, oh, there's an issue with the, the website. So when it was loading slow on your phone, that, that may have been the issue. So really? yeah, yeah <laughs> it was loading fine on my phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went in, unfortunately, I don't know why, the, the SSL. So you might have been given a, a, an alert that your information wasn't secure checking out the website we assure you it was there was some issue on the hosting side all of that should be rectified now so i just want to say a big thank you to enda for for bringing that to our attention our attention fair play and ashling's rolling her eyes because she has said it to me before about a month ago yeah but it was loading fine on my laptop and it was loading fine on my phone so i couldn't i couldn't get to a problem that i couldn't see um so thanks very much enda as i said one of the listeners from the tiktok live the podcast website is stmhpodcast.com. If you would like to come on and be a guest, if you've got a story to tell, you want to come on and share your story around mental health, or you know, you've know you got a story to tell, you've got a book to sell, you got to do that by sharing all our social media posts. We got into that last week. So you can do that by emailing hello at stmhpodcast.com. 
Change of venue this week. If you're checking out the videos on TikTok or any of the Instagram stories or anything like that, we're up the north, up north. Well, they don't sound like this, up this north part of the country. Up in Oma, recording in Nashlings. You might be able to see that the Queen's the Queen's throne behind us. That is Delilah's baby seat. Because, let's face it, she's the boss of this house. <laughs> Everyone knows it. So if you can see that, that's, that's what you're seeing in the background. So that's all the social media plug. Oh, we need to we need to clear up something from last week. So last week we announced that we're going back weekly. So that will be a check-in episode, a topic, a check-in, a topic. Our check-in episodes are just ourselves, just checking in what's going on in our lives, what's going on in the world. They're not necessarily a topic. It's just whatever comes out of our conversations that tends to be the title. So last week we had co-parenting and love languages. We spoke about experiences of co-parenting particularly your experience over over the last little while and love languages so they're they're just our check-ins that is definitely something uh, a topic we should come back to uh, um, perhaps have a guest on or explore it in in a little bit more earnest but those episodes are just the check-in just whatever's going on in our lives and a theme emerges out of that sometimes we have a we come on with a theme i think like the johnny and amber trial that was going on and You'd been talking about it on the podcast, and then we just did the, the check-in around that specifically. But sometimes it just comes out of whatever is going on in our lives. So just to clarify that, not specifically a, a topic, but just a check-in. That's, it does exactly what it says on it's in with the check-ins. I know Darren had mentioned it to you. He was like, ooh, co-parenting, this should be a good one. Mm. Uh, but it was just our experience. If you, if people have their own experiences. Well, our experience over a couple of months, not our experience in general. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Because it was, it was affecting our lives and you know, mm. it was, it was brought into our world and that's what we needed to discuss. Um, and yeah, I should, should mention that. So, you know, any of the topics that we cover or any point that we make on the podcast, whether that is co-parenting, please feel free to get in touch with us, you know, share your story. We read out the correspondence on the, on the podcast and hundred percent that's going to resonate with someone else. So you can probably see in the video, Ashling has uh, got some product placement. Unfortunately, we're not sponsored with the Lucasade bottle. <laughs> we spoke oh, about yeah. we spoke about the addiction, and I'm only realizing that now because I can feel my mouth going dry. Haven't <laughs> haven't haven't spoken for so long. So she does a puff puff pass <laughs> um, with the oh you hear it that just it's, just hits different. It's not, it's not, no, you had a little it's bit not, already. It's no. not out of the fridge. It's not cold enough. So apologies, folks. Had to uh, wet me whistle. As they say, I don't you have that expression up here. That doesn't sound Wet your right. whistle. No, it doesn't, doesn't sound right, but that's, that's what they say. Sounds like a wet willy. Well, like that's my granny. That's, that, that's, that's it, the yeah. filter that comes out of my granny's boat. <laughs> have a drink there to wet your whistle. So I don't know. Nan, yeah. Nan was, uh, I don't know what she was like. She's a bit gamey, maybe. She did have 13 kids. <laughs> so. She wetted the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nan. Rest in peace. <laughs> As, as she would have said, there's more in his head than what a comb would take out. Again, the, these are all... Yeah. Send us in your granny's expressions. If any of those old sayings, let, let us know whatever they may have been. They were some of my granny's favourite ones. So, watch your whistling. More in his head than what a comb would take out. Do you know what that means? I can't even register it in my head. If there's like... There's a lot more going on there. You know, you wouldn't be able to comb it out for everything that's going on in, in there. Like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh. I know, yeah. So rest in peace, Nan. Okay, yeah. and apologies. And apologies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 13 kids. Fair to say you knew what you were at. No <laughs> or TV. not. There's no TV. <laughs> no, definitely no TV back then. So that was our check-in episode last week. We had the co-parenting and the love languages. Mm-hmm. With all of that being plugged, Ashling, how are you doing? How have you been feeling? What's been going on in your world? Yeah, no, I'm tired today. Mm. I've been on the go all day. Yeah. 
Um, but no, I've had a really, really good week. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, do you know what would be a great episode for you to listen to? An episode on sleep. I sleep fine. Yeah, neither. <laughs> yeah, when you listen back to this interview, you're going to realize, oh, perhaps not. <laughs> I do. I just know what time I need to go to bed at, what time yeah. I sleep. But I do. When I sleep, I sleep through. Yeah. So you that that doesn't sleep, you're you're constantly tossing and turning yeah. all night. I'm just a really late sleeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get into that. Well, then so my you were up five minutes this morning. I was awake just because you rolled over and turned your phone on. I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And sometimes you do it and it's not. Is that you and your phone? I was fucking asleep. Nine times, nine <laughs> times out of ten, I'm right though. So. Yeah. And I don't even like, I don't even press the button to turn it on. I literally just tap the screen. First thing I do, stick it on, not even vibrate on silent so mm-hmm. as not to wake you. And next thing, you and your phone. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going from straight from deep sleep. To, yeah. 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 So yeah, oh, no, I, have, I, I, I can't reiterate enough. It's an absolutely excellent um interview coming up later on and hopefully we'll have jennifer on again just to talk about something because she, she's so knowledgeable it's it's a great listen but i said this is the first half the first half of our episodes is to check in what's been going on our smiles and riles just how we're doing what's going on in our lives and then the second half is the interview so how have you been doing we had you said we had a busy day yeah we had a busy day we are we were weekend. up at the crack of dawn mm. um and we went out to port rush um and it was lovely no it wasn't actually what i'm talking about no, no the weather wasn't the weather was horrible the experience was yeah, it would have been a nicer experience had the weather been nice we could mm. have walked on the beach but we were just blown away so yeah. um but it's a beautiful place if anybody ever gets the chance to go to port rush it's gorgeous yeah so we went up there because it is as we record you know saturday night so saturday weekend end of june mm. i dressed for the summer brought a t-shirt brought a polo shirt had to go and buy a new hoodie Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the weather was miserable and we were going to a beach town seaside town my mother was impressed <laughs> we have the <laughs> can I call can I call your mom at 30 beach can I, uh, I don't know no, no. even I don't All like right. that <laughs> Ines, it's banter just to clarify so I picked up Ines today she was minding the kids before their dad picked them up we spoke with co-parenting last week picked up Ines who was very graciously minding the kids so we could so we could get onto the get on the road and uh, I was we're going about the weather. I was like, Jesus, yeah, you wouldn't think it's the end of June. You know, I was like, oh, this is disgraceful. Like, we've already had maybe two good days in a row and stuff like that. And I was saying, yeah, I know, I had to, had, to go and buy, had to go and buy a hoodie. I said, it's that cold because I only brought a, a T-shirt up because I was dressing for the summer. She's like, oh, what, what color did you get? I said, oh, and I was, as I was taking the hoodie, I said, oh, fuck, I must get it, actually. I'm after leaving it in the car. Went back to the car. I said, oh, I just got this gray one. She says, oh, to go with your gray joggers. <laughs> the cheek me Oh, she had me in fucking stitches. It's a good job she walked in front of me because I was in bits laughing. You should have wore them today. It was raining. You could have been nah. like a scene out of Baywatch. Like a wet Splendid. t-shirt, wet, wet joggers. We were discussing that, yeah. So. No, so yeah. So apparently the grey joggers is infamous now <laughs> because of you. And also you shit in, your bed, shit in the bed. Still didn't shit in the bed. Just to clarify, please go back. A lot of people, this is your first episode listening. It was, it was didn't sh- shit in the bed. He shit himself in the grey joggers. If you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't shit the bed. <laughs> much to ice, much, uh, much to Ashling's dismay. Jesus Christ, I'm too tired. No, you're not. This is hard to get the truth out. <laughs> Mark Twain said the best thing about the truth is you never have to remember anything. I remember not shitting the bed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I definitely did need subtitles on on that piece. So we did. We had a nice day. Up to Port Rush, went for something to eat. Uh, I tell you one thing. That's some drive. 
<laughs> that's a fucking that's a bendy drive oh, yeah. from Alma to Portrush. Mm. Uh, we were driving down. You, you, as we were talking about last week, it was love language as a as a or touch physical touch as a love language, and talking about you holding my hand or putting your hand on my leg as I'm driving. Couldn't hold your hand. It was about a fucking hour and ten minutes before I was able to take my hand off the off the gear. We were windy roads, second gear, third gear, Irish accelerate. Roads. Oh, country really? Roads, yeah, yeah, real yeah. proper country roads. What is beautiful scenery? It like is. It's worth yeah, it. It's yeah. worth and the houses, like the houses. Yeah, are, we, we love we love an old house. Are, nice stonework. We like nice brickwork. Beautiful. Yeah, look houses. at the brickwork in that. I don't like that one. <laughs> So, that that's our thing. Just just house watching, property porn, proper property porn. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that expression before. Oh, I mean, I would do some property porn now. Yeah. Oh, no, oh. no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, Can't believe you never heard that expression before. Yeah. Bit of property porn in the yeah. evening. No, no. Oh, okay, just me. All right. <laughs> Let us know, folks. If, if, if property porn is, porn is your thing, please, please do let us know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I gotta, gotta try and get that image on my head now. No, it's not house on house. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's just, what mansions on bungalows? Just looking at, that's like I was gonna. No, I know, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just like good looking houses. Bungalow, on bungalow. That you're never gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you one thing. That you can't afford. <laughs> Let me get my joke out. I just have to think of a good joke. Go on, get it out. Gives a whole new meaning to a semi D. Semi detached. Semi D. Oh, semi. God. Oh, for fucking ruiners. You oh. had to let me go at the moment. No, let me know no. that was a good one. I think that, I think that was a good one. Okay. Semi D. Yeah. Bungalow and bungalow. No. Semi detached. Detached. Country house. Oh. Big house in the country. I want to look at your basement. Oh. <laughs> So for anyone that did have an issue with me calling her a dirty bitch last week, you got a problem with your gutter. Get the plumber in, clean out your pipes, and all of that sort of jazz. You can't bring people into it. All right, it's just property. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Look at those columns. (laughs) Oh. Look at that knob on that. Oh, love a bay window, me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna die. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm fucking sweating there with the heat. Have you got the heat now? I did not. Oh man, I'm fucking cooking. <laughs> it's not, it's because it's getting you hot. It's getting, oh yeah. <laughs> it's all the property porn. <laughs> all right, yeah, so that, that was today. Uh, Stop rubbing your eye, it's already red. Yeah, I got bloodshot eye apparently. I can't. Apparently, I can't. you took well, a picture. Well, you, you show me a picture. I do. It's, yeah. a, it's really Very. bloodshot. I don't know what's been going on. You look like a person that's been bit by a zombie. You just don't want to tell anybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you're just slowly turning. Uh, so that's what that was your week. You're doing all right, apart from being being tired and we had a busy day today. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing really well. Yeah, it's um, weekend. It's gone in quick, as usual. Yeah, sure. yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Um, the weather's just been miserable. Yeah, mm-hmm. just terrible. Yeah. We haven't had a summer at all. No, not at all. It's just, yeah, we need a summer. We need a, we need some sunshine. Barbecue. Yeah. We had one on Paddy's day. <laughs> you had one in my house. We were like, oh, we, it, was, it was a bit days. sunny. Awesome warm. And you wouldn't have known because you were sitting inside. I was outside. Did I start the barbecue and fuck off? I don't know, you didn't even do that. I didn't even do no, that. Apologies. No. <laughs> um, no, we had a, one nice day this year that was for Nock. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, that was lovely. Today but we've not had anything since. Yeah. Um, we had for Nock and then had COVID yeah. for 10 days. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Worth it. 
It was worth it. Yeah. yeah. For you to already. catch it and give it to me and my whole family. Bollocks. Worth it. Absolute bollocks. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Not, I'm not taking any responsibility. You had it first. You got it first. Tested positive no. first. Had the symptoms first. No. That's just because I have a whopper immune system. You had the symptoms first. No. I was just the first one to be tested. That's all. Oh, stop. And then <laughs> I tested straight after you. Mm-hmm. And I had a fainter line. Yours was really strong. And you got over it quicker than the rest of our family. Whopper immune system. Oh, stop. <laughs> you got it first. Uh, so that's your week. That was your weekend. Uh, yeah. What about yours? I had a, oh, I had a fucking busy week. Uh, so for everyone obviously heard the podcast as we put an episode out. So I was up until we recorded that Sunday night. All the technical difficulties that we spoke about last week. So I was up until after 2 a.m. Sunday night other than that because I had to bring James to school and then go to work. So that was a long week. And then I was a guest on a podcast over in Florida. That was, what day was that? Wednesday. I thought it was Thursday night, but it was Wednesday. Actually, <laughs> yeah. he can be my rival. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can get into that. Yeah. So I was, I was a guest on that podcast. Uh, that was like half past midnight. I was meant to be a guest on another podcast on Thursday night. That was cancelled, thankfully, because I was up early in the morning. And then I had the interview with Jennifer. So it was a busy, busy week on the on the podcast front. And we're, we're recording now at 20 to 10 on the, on the Saturday night. So apart from that, just, just working and doing podcasts, mm-hmm. trying to hold myself out to promote the podcast as, as much as possible. Um, so a couple of other podcasts lined up and any amount. Oh, my God, we have so many guests. So many people have contacted me about coming on, mm. being a guest. So... We're not going to be running out of topics anytime, anytime soon, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to having those people on, but really looking forward to even for you to listen back to the to the episode with with Jennifer. Great episode. So that was my week. Have you got some? Have you got some smiles and royals? I'll explain for people what smiles and royals are. If this is your first time checking in, this is just things that have made a smile. Things have got us riled. They can be from the mundane to big global things. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be anything. It's just ladies first. Right. Um. I will go for the smile. Um. And okay, we're gonna, it's gonna be a weird one to start with. So, my daughter would have a complete phobia she got last year, as you reminded me. I know she gets it every year. <laughs> you think I just remembered what your smile is. It's such a smile. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna, we'll start with a series. Mm. So, my daughter has a really bad phobia um, when she was in her playpen in the summertime last year. A fly got into it and she Obviously, was trapped, she, was, she, was she felt pack, trapped. She wasn't mm, in it for long, mm, you know, but she felt, you know, so that's carried on to this year. And obviously the summertime, the flies come. And oh my God, the other morning, uh, trying to give her breakfast, like, and she was in oh, her high yeah. chair and you the said screams. She was, she was texting me, so like she's screaming, she's actually shaking. Oh yeah. So I had to just give her her breakfast in the sitting room away from the fly. Went on to Amazon and ordered... How would you describe this one now? Because Get it. We can show it on the camera. It's a fly zapper. Well, it looks like a tennis racket. But it looks like a tennis racket, but you can hold it up um, so it can just do its own thing. So it's a fly yeah, zapper. Yeah. So my my smile this week. You're sick. I know I'm sick. <laughs> it's the fly zapper because I never expected it to be so fun. All right. So going to let you because you're a better story. No, no, you, you, you no, tell no, it. No, 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 because you can explain. All right. So it looks, looks like a tennis racket. Okay. So, you know, circle with a handle. So you can set it on a stand. You know, on your worktop or something like that. Haven't seen the benefits of that yet. Um, but I killed them all. That's why. But it's cert- it certainly works handheld, <laughs> like a time. tennis racket. So first of all, Ethan. So Ashing's son. He were like, "Oh, you do it, Ethan." This is <laughs> dinner time. He was yeah, because he, he's the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> There's food on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he kind of hit one, and it gives a it gives a little spark. The two of you give a fucking yelp. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like his was just kind of shaking. I, I think he, he didn't kill it. I think he fucking turned it on. I think yeah, that was about the best. Like, give, give, give him goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, fly gets up. I was like, ooh, what was that? that I'm tink- going back. I'm going back for a nice second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ethan's freaking out with the with the, the blast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those electric things. You know, you would have seen them in an old butcher shop. It's got bolts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So the electric, the old ones in a butcher shop, oh, and you hear the flies one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically the same as that. Mm-hmm. Only it's USB mm-hmm. charge and it's and it's hand now. So Ethan did that one. And then, then Ashing's like, ooh, I'm fucking Serena Williams. Give me that. So she gets it. She's looking around. She's lurking. Ooh, got a fly. It's like she hits it as you would if you'd have the, the tennis racket hitting, you know, if you want to hit the ball straight up in the sky. So you're coming up from the ground. You hit this fly. And the fucking thing just... Set on fire. It set on fire. <laughs> it got stuck in the thing. And amazingly, a fucking fly... Smells like singed hair. Well, you're like it's, it's tiny. Oh, it's tiny, cool. but there was too much smell for for what that was, yeah. and then it kind of exploded. No, it exploded when I went to put it back in yeah. the stock. You're a bit sadistic. You're like, oh, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm loving this. I love this. <laughs> so, um, it's perhaps a little bit inhumane, but for the record, I didn't kill any. <laughs> it's, it's asking that's a little bit sadistic We're here. It's like open like- the back door and let all the flies in. <laughs> gonna be like getting all these people that are like insect lovers and yeah. freaking yeah and go and yeah. kill, don't kill the fly they have, flies have lives too and- yeah fly, <laughs> fly lives matter um yeah. but no nah, they are spreaders of disease and not have the purpose in the ecosystem and, and breaking like, things down but yeah. and again what i mean and I, and I said to you you're like i don't know why she's like this like i remember yeah because it was last oh. summer and it's the very definition of trauma her mm-hmm. sense or her central nervous system was overwhelmed and she could not escape yeah and that's why she has such a reaction um, to it. So, sorry, folks, but the kid's fucking distress mm. just pales in comparison to yeah. to the life of a fly, unfortunately. So, but mm. you are happy that worked. Oh, it's so much fun for anybody <laughs> that's bored of life. And it's great for housewives. And like myself, they're at home with the children and, you know. Beats got- fucking wee sports, isn't it? It does, actually. <laughs> Yeah. VR, like, you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and now I have no flies. It's like they've done the. Call oh, they'll be back. They'll no, be back. Don't not. worry. It's like they told all the brothers and sisters not to bother Lads, now. Fuck off, seriously. No, it's, it's like you it's, don't want to go there. I smelt it. Yeah. <laughs> you can you say you to you, the flies going back. Going, I've seen something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, all right. Weirdly enough, that's that's your smile this week. What are we going? Smile, smile, right, Ryle, smile, Ryle, smile, Ryle. Go on, you just. Oh no, you, you pick whatever you want. I always, I always like to end on a on a smile. So I give you, I give him your Ryle first. So I dropped you uh, back up for the bus on Sunday last week on Father's Day after I picked up James. Mm. I was like, come on, James, we'll go into we'll go into town. Uh, he was very quiet. I think he was really tired. Um, very very quiet so i was like well you need to need to distract him with something parked up in dublin city went to go to a model shop closed i was like oh fucking great went into the comic book shop forbidden planet he was like even then then he wasn't really feeling anything so i was like oh we're only around the corner i'll pop into the fountain pen shop that's that fluke is out again sorry i had to take a pause <laughs> you're so inexperienced i know <laughs> fucking rookie it's look at this newbie <laughs> jesus you're really drunk at all man you had like nearly half of it gone. But that's because it's mine. Oh god! I'll buy you another mm-hmm. one. I'll go to the shop and get another yeah, one. I've got another one in the fridge. Yeah. So the fountain pen shop for anyone in Dublin, or anyone that's been to Dublin City, just a landmark shop. I think it was there over a hundred years. Uh, they announced a few months ago that they were closing during the summer, 
I thought I'd get one last one last trip in. I love a fountain pen. I do have many fountain pens down the office. And many clients remark on it when we're signing contracts in our in our first session and stuff like that. Ooh, that's a fancy pen. Rob that, are we? You know, fucking getting out of here with that pen. <laughs> uh, so it's gone. Fountain pen shop. So if anyone, yeah, it's closed. So if anyone has any memories of the fountain pen shop in Dublin, let us know. I remember when I checked in to the comment section, whatever page I posted up that it was closing. Everyone was like, oh, my God, I used to go in there with my grandfather and my granddad bought me my first fountain pen and I'd go in there and I'd buy ink. A lot of people seem to have a lot of fond memories of uh, going in there. Yeah. And it was right, it's just before, straight across from Central Bank as you're looking toward, so coming down Dame Street, looking toward Trinity. Mm. So it was right beside Trinity College. It was right in the corner. Oh, so, yeah, so it was really sad. Yeah, really sad to see that because um, I, I used to like just go in for a mooch. Mm. And I always bought something. I was like, I just have to buy something just, just for the experience. So it's gone. Yeah. yeah so it was really sad okay. that that was gone. So that's that's me, Royal. What are you going? You're going, Royal. You gave your smile. So give us give us your Royal. If you got I one. don't know. Like, Is it me again? It's usually me. Yeah, it could be. Um, <laughs> no, they're my inner eyes. Um, so have you got a Royal for me? Yeah. Um, so you were on a podcast recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it was live otherwise. I would have mm. heard at the time. But I, lit- I listened like 10 minutes after you wrote to me and um and yeah it's the, he was american wasn't he mm-hmm. florida and i just didn't like the way he spoke to you just i it really pissed me off and i'm very protective and mm-hmm. and it annoyed oh, me well, I bet you know the bit that i heard i just thought i just thought it was really patronizing you know what i mean like patronizing yeah. just yeah it's just the way he was like well you can explain it but if you heard no, it like i can't explain your feelings yeah, well, that's what I mean. I was just pissed off and I was saying to you, like you can hear, I was texting you at the time going, it's so patronizing. He went on your Twitter, didn't I? Is that what it was? Yes. So I, I had posted that on, on my personal account that I was on the podcast mm. and then he clicked it. Oh, I just got a notification from you. And uh, my Twitter profile picture is a picture of the two of us. Mm. And he was quite taken with you. Yeah, no. Yeah, and and was, do you know what? Leave it as very, that. Yeah, he was very, yeah, very complimentary. Say say that you're a lovely couple or whatever mm-hmm. like that don't be going like um you give hope like that's what i didn't like yeah so, you, so basically what he said it was, was a like, backhanded compliment yeah, yeah and it was, it was very shit Irish. and i did not <laughs> yeah. like i did not like that at yeah. all like it's, so it was basically like uh, given given my age and autism yeah. how, how did i bag you basically it was what he said he said you much, yeah. give every 45 year old with autism hope. yeah yeah like there's no need for no that. i think but no i think it also made the comment of of You've got fucking autism and, and you still got that. Like, yeah. I don't have autism yeah. and I don't. <laughs> but it's like, how dare you even assume? Like, mm. I mean, again, I hate to bring up the whole Amber Heard, like, mm-hmm. not even Amber Heard at all. Like, she's beautiful. But mm. you know what I mean? Like, looks don't define you as, you know, they don't define who you are as a person. And, mm. and Jesus Christ, like, even if you did bag the most beautiful woman in the world, why wouldn't you not deserve that? Because you have autism and you're 45. You know, maybe she's the loveliest person in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. I just find it really, really superficial when people just go based on those. And I just, like I said, it was more the fact that he was going, you know, that you give everybody hope. And then he, the, the, and what's the age difference? Mm. We've never had that before. No. Never, no. ever, ever we had someone go, what's the age difference? Because we look quite similar in age, mm. in age. And there's not a huge gap between us, to be fair. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. it's irrelevant when you're in the same place of life. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, um, no, I just found the whole thing 
you just, like just yeah, totally yeah, inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. And just, and I just felt like, and the more he went on, the more he was digging himself into a hole. Mm. And he didn't give a shit. Yeah, and I was like, so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably a little bit backhanded because he was very complimentary to you, saying you're gorgeous and etc. And I was like, even I was like, oh, isn't it a bit uncomfortable because I know what you're like. I was like, mm. she's not going like this. No. And then he went into that, and you're like, oh, she definitely won't fucking like that. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't like that at all. It's like, just stop. Just say you're a lovely... I, I appreciate when we have a lovely couple mm. comment, which we get, you yeah. know. Um, but there's no need to do backhanded compliments. For yeah. anybody in life, just... If you can't say nothing nice, <laughs> say nothing at all. So, mm. you know, at the end of the day. So, yeah, that was my rile. That's your rile this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what have I got? What am I going out with? I'm going out with a smile. Aren't they? Yeah, smile. Did me royal. Mm. The fountain pen shop. Yeah, we have to do another take on this piece because Ashling left the heat on, which I said a few minutes ago. I thought I turned it off. My hoodie. My hoodie's definitely doing its job. It's fucking keeping me warm. Oh, man. I'm glistening. I am gl- I'm not sweating. I'm glistening. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank God the heating's off now. So yeah, so my smile this week is the whole point of the podcast. The whole point of the podcast is we straight talk mental health. We try to encourage conversations about mental health for people that may not typically, you know, listen to a mental health podcast because, well, we know they're pretty fucking boring, most of them. Um, so we aim to be a little different and, you know, just do it conversationally, literally as we're doing right now around the kitchen table. So people could have it on the background or people can talk about it. Oh, I heard this or did you hear that episode? Stuff like that. So I had a client in during the week and that was the exact thing. They had listened to the podcast around the relationship. It had opened up a conversation with his partner and I was like, done. You know, that's that's the whole point of it all. So it was, it was lovely to hear that because I'm getting that, you know, getting that feedback face to face. But the thing we forget is people could be having these conversations around the world mm. and, and we don't even know about it. I know we had Raymond had commented last week of, uh, he was going to get his wife to listen to. He's had some some mental health difficulties, and he hoped that you know maybe listening to that might encourage him to get into for a bit of couples counseling and stuff like that. So that's that's exactly what we're trying to do. But I guess we kind of forget the scope of the podcast that mm. it is global. You know, there is listeners around the world listening to us. You know, just going on about our lives, but listening to interviews around topics. And and this this is the important thing. And I need to reiterate this is some people listen to the podcast just for the first half. Mm. and they continue on listening. You know, I've had actually a few clients have said to me, he's like, yeah, I wasn't really into that topic, but, you know, I was listening to you talking anyway, and I just kept listening. I was like, oh, actually, that was really fucking interesting. Mm. I was like, nice one. Um, so that's that's why it's segued. So you can listen to our bit if you liked that bit, or you can just listen to the you can listen to the, to the guest interview if that's that's the bit you like, or you can listen to it all, which is the, mm. the, the ideal format. So it was just lovely to, to get that face-to-face feedback of, yeah, we're, we're we're starting starting conversations. Mm-hmm. Did you think that? Did you did you think that? For example, well, one of the other things I forgot was one of your neighbors. Don't know who it was. I think it was Marcella. I think it was Marcella. Marcella, if it was, so. I apologize. I, I don't really know. You. I know Ashton does. Mm-hmm. Um, I get out of the car and something like, oh, that's a great podcast. I'm like, oh, oh, and then it's weird because you're meeting people and they're like, oh, thanks very much. And she's like, oh yeah, very relatable. Mm-hmm. Well, you were in the great jo- the great well, it wasn't wasn't joggers, in the great joggers. No, no it wasn't. Well, she See? Meant, so she meant so it. She meant it. Oh my it god, meant right, it. Okay. It wasn't just it's like, oh give me an excuse just to just have a conversation. Yeah, drop no. my eyes. <laughs> I'm up, the eyes are up here. The mm-hmm. eyes are up here. No, but you know, she says very relatable. And that's that's what we're trying to do. So mm. you know, it's that's good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of work, but that's what makes it worthwhile mm. when when you get stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's my smiles and riles. Have you got anything else? No, that's We're all me. good on that. Me covered. Okay. All right. Well, before everyone starts to doze off with that bit, 
It's probably a good segue into our interview with Jennifer around to sleep. So this week on the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast, we're crossing back over to the US of A, and we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Jennifer Reed, MD. First of all, Jennifer, let's clear that up for people that wouldn't know. MD, what, what are we talking about when we see the initials MD? Right. So I just have my medical doctorate. So I'm a physician. I've gone through medical school and then additional residency, which is sort of like an apprenticeship within the field of psychiatry. So, mm. yeah. Great. That's, that's that bit first cleared out of the way. Next bit. How are you doing today? <laughs> how was how was life in <laughs> Philadelphia? It's nice. You know, it's raining outside, but it's a nice gentle rain and all of my plants are soaking it up. So it's a pretty chill afternoon. Okay. So, I mean, this is this is the Straight Talk on Mental Health podcast. We like to, you know, we try to be as informative as possible and we, and we like to touch on the hard hitting subjects. And the first one we've already touched on is it's not always sunny in Philadelphia. It's, cur- it's currently <laughs> raining. Don't believe everything you see on TV, folks. <laughs> Exactly. There are some other challenges in that show too, but yeah, hilarious. it's all filmed in LA. It's not always sunny in Philadelphia. There you go, straight <laughs> yeah. from there. So next, next myth we'll bust, or next, next thing we'll try to clarify. Then Jennifer is psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Very often people will ask me, "Oh, what's the difference between a, a psychotherapist? What's the difference between with a, a psychiatrist? You practice as both, is that right?" Yeah. So right, a psychiatrist can do a number of different things. It's just a matter of having gone through the medical school path and then doing the residency and therefore I can prescribe medications. So mm. generally psychologists are doing maybe psychotherapy or research or something like that. And mm. then I do psychotherapy within my practice. But yeah, psychiatrists are, you know, counter to the TV and other depictions of them, just kind of normal docs who come in and want to help with people who are struggling with anxiety or depression or some of these other specific issues. Yeah. So, so you would have trained as a doctor and then from that point, then you go on kind of into the speciality of psychiatric illnesses, perhaps the likes of schizophrenia, anything like that. And you then are in the position mm-hmm. to prescribe medication. Is that, is that correct? Exactly. So my peers and I all went through med school together. My husband, in fact, did as well. It's where we met. And then he went on to orthopedic surgery and I went on to psychiatry. And we all kind of find our niche where we feel most comfortable and most interested. And, you know, I always thought the brain was so cool and so fascinating and complex and challenging. So mm-hmm. that's where I ended up. What took you down that road? What was it that brought you into that field to begin with? Maybe a little bit of your backstory before we before we get to Jennifer Reed, MD, yeah. at this point, maybe uh, maybe a little bit before that. Sure, sure thing. So I grew up in a small town in a, a, the state of North Dakota, which is in sort of the, the center, the flyover zone, so to speak, of the country. <laughs> and my father and grandfather were both family practice physicians. So general medical docs, black medic- medicine bag, you know, traveling to different homes and mm-hmm. people in the clinic. And so medicine was always of interest to me. And in fact, I started in internal medicine, which is just more like you know, your internal organs, so to speak, dealing with your heart, your lungs, etc. But you know, I just I love the patient stories. I've always been a reader and just really hearing their experiences. I wanted to understand how they experienced disease and how they saw sort of the world around them and how that reflected on their symptoms. And frankly, like the entire world then comes into my purview, because when I'm working with patients in therapy, we talk about what are the movies you've been watching or what are you reading or what sort of pop culture references are we going to talk about? So mm-hmm. I really love the kind of creative piece of psychiatry and psychotherapy. They really get to work with the patient to help them sort of rewrite their story. So almost like a, a life editor or something. And you get mm-hmm. to help them really figure out that narrative and then therefore figure out a path forward. So I've always you know, been interested in that in psychiatry. I just came to a little bit later. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a, a very important aspect to touch on. Of you know, as you say, you might be talking about pop culture, or you might be talking about well, what are you watching on Netflix or anything like that. And I think people don't understand how vital that is to developing a therapeutic relationship to be able to connect on something outside of quotation marks. What's wrong with you? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? What are, what are you into? Uh, I, I particularly find it a vital piece in in uh, working with the, the teenagers that I work with. You know, to be able to really reach them on where they're at. You know, what video Absolutely. games you're playing, what you watch on Netflix, you know, that sort of stuff. And I think I, I remember thinking I've seen research before that regardless of whatever modality the the therapist uses, whether it's CBT or DVD or anything like that, just simply attending and working with that therapeutic relationship, there's like a, a 70% chance of getting better, regardless of what, what the therapist may do, if, the, I mean, if the, the relationship is there. Right, certainly. I mean, certainly I talk to people when you're looking for a therapist, it's sort of like blind dating, like you need to have some chemistry with someone, mm. you feel like you can trust them and open up to them. And it's just two humans connecting, you know, it's a different kind of conversation than you have casually, we're really there to try and help guide you. We're both just two humans who like find things funny or silly or ridiculous. And you know, with COVID doing everything online, we're seeing little snippets of our patients lives in my own life as my kid wanders in asking for a (laughs) snack or, you know, the lawnmower starts going outside or something. So we're just, you know, we're two human beings trying to connect and help that person find a path forward. So I value it. I've been in therapy all through my training. It's something we really are encouraged to do. Mm. And, you know, it's really helped. Like when I felt anxious or concerned or burned out or what have you, just understanding why I was responding that way and kind of new ways to think about it and shift. I love it. I can't imagine not working with someone regularly to help sort of guide me through the day to day. I, I don't know. And perhaps, again, this is something you can clarify, Jennifer, but in terms of, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of clients I would work with, if they're referred on to the HSE, which is the health service executive here in, in Ireland, just sort of the national kind of health, mental health side of things, they may get to see a psychiatrist for 10 minutes go, okay, how are you feeling? Uh, right, yeah, okay, well, what we're going to do? Right, we're going to up them meds there now, and uh, here's the prescription, and, and I'll see you again in, in six weeks' time. Are you in private practice or... It sounds very different than to, to your approach and how, how you work. Right. I mean, there's so many different areas or places to, to practice psychiatry. And I think you're pointing to a really big issue with mental health treatment, certainly in the States. We don't have mm. national health care, obviously, um, is that the number of providers and access to providers here is really limited, that you often see someone for a very short time, maybe they prescribe a medication and come back in to check on that. So yeah, I was in an academic center and it was a little bit more of that hustle and bustle. I mean, they gave us a little more time with patients than some Mm. clinics do, but it very much was that kind of quick turnaround. And I decided to leave and start my own private practice because I just wanted to provide care in a different way. So I love doing the therapy plus the medications. I'm seeing patients either for 30 minutes or, you know, 50 minutes. I really want to get to know them. Once they're in, they're sort of, they are part of my team and I'm really trying to make sure I can address all their needs. But I think the trouble with that is that's a really small group of people that I can see one to one, right? They're only Mm. limited hours in the week. And so that's during COVID, especially, I've really been trying to find other ways to reach people like this kind of podcast, or I have my own podcast Mm. or writing that I'm doing, because I'm like, this is just not enough. I'm not able to reach enough patients this way. And so trying to find other delivery methods so that I'm part of the solution, rather than, you know, being part of this sort of problem isolated access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it is important to clear that up because, as I said, you know, if the majority of people, if their experience is in the in the national mental health services or anything like that, they may have a very 
they may feel very deflated, you know, getting in for 10 minutes just to be given uh, another prescription. And and I've heard it many times from, from clients who go, oh, so I went there, down there, and all they want to do is give me drugs. That's it. Like mm-hmm. All they want to do is just throw tablets at me and let that be the end of it. And I think it's important to clarify that sometimes that may, may be the case, but everyone that goes into this sort of profession or any of the health professions are generally going in well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. And their their hands are tied perhaps by time constraints or their their hands are tied by budget constraints or I don't think anyone goes into this when well, no one goes into it burned out. They, they might get burned out, but yeah. <laughs> prior to that, it's well intentioned. Absolutely. And then you get into a system where if you only have ten minutes with a patient before the next one's coming in, you don't really have time to delve in some of those deeper issues and really try and, you know, do some behavioral change and help them affect change in their lives. Like the medication becomes the only option. But frankly, our meds just don't don't have enough benefit yet. They just don't help everybody and they have a lot of side effects. So they're not a solo solution and they really can be complementary. And I certainly prescribe them and have seen them work wonders for people, mm. but they're not the full story. And so thank goodness there are therapists like you and people that are working with them in these other ways. But again, we just don't have nearly the number of providers that we need, especially with all of the stressors and strain of COVID and, and the other unrest and, and challenges that are happening around the world. Yeah, and let's not forget it's very expensive to <laughs> to undergo the training. Yeah. <laughs> so that that'll account for not having enough providers, etc. Yeah, no, it certainly yeah. can be. And then they have you know significant loans, so that limits where they can practice and things like that. And it's expensive for the consumer as well. It's expensive for patients because over where we are, a lot of, they're paying out of pocket. You know, they don't. It's not covered by their health insurance, so they're having to pay separately. So the the mental health care in, in the United States has certainly its own complex issues from a financial and access standpoint. Certainly clears up some of the uh, the psychiatric questions that I know a lot of people have, and we and we get a lot of those questions into the podcast, and I deal with a lot of those questions with. Uh, with clients we've been talking about psychiatry but as you said not just a psychiatrist also a writer also a podcast host yourself maybe you can tell us a little bit about about that side of of your work yeah so that's again it started during covid because i wanted to find other ways to reach people um so i basically write in podcast as the reflective doc and the sense of that was i want to reflect out to people out there the the work that i'm seeing the changes that i'm seeing in the patients that i work with the things i'm saying to them every day to try and help them move forward i wanted to find a way to distribute that much more broadly because it just it needs to be done i hope more um, in, in my field will follow suit mm-hmm. and many are for sure mm-hmm. but the podcast is just a chance to sit down with people who are doing really cool things to help you know, people throughout the country, patients and their families. I had someone on recently who came up with a program called Hearts Need Art, and she works in beginning in oncology services, so for cancer treatment, and brings in artists, singers, musicians, you know, writers, other people that can come in and really work with the patients, maybe teach them how to play an instrument or help them write a story or help them paint as a way to kind of process some of those painful and difficult emotions of mm you know, struggling with their oncology treatment. Um, And I have someone coming on soon to talk about nutritional psychiatry. And so, you know, how we eat really can help with brain health. It can help with our overall, you know, anxiety and depression symptoms and things like that. And so that's beyond the medication like we were talking about. That's Mm -hmm. another thing that can really be helpful and beneficial. So I get to highlight people doing such cool stuff. And we just come on and I chat. Like I joke, it's like an introvert's dream. They have to sit there and answer my questions <laughs> for an hour. I love it. I just get to chat with them, you know, and ask whatever I want. 
I've learned incredible amounts from from individuals coming on and you probably mm. have had that experience too. Oh it's yeah. It's just like definitely wow. And it's a good reminder, you know, when the news is so terrible and everything's awful, to to really talk to people who are making such a difference and have not given up hope and are moving forward. It's just such a thrill. Like I mm. love doing it. And the writing, you know, sometimes often I need to write things down to really understand what I'm feeling or thinking. And so I find that expressing that, whether through like a blog or I contribute to some different magazines, just as a chance to kind of clarify and express my thoughts or point out a really interesting paper that usually people wouldn't read. I mean, who's going to sit down with a psychiatric journal like your average <laughs> listener? Like, I don't blame them. They're it's kind of the abstract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just skim it. So, you know. Then you get to the methodology. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I should yeah, just scan the abstract. The font smaller. I'm getting older. I can't read it. I'm like this. Okay. Anyone that has undertaken any sort of research will will understand that. If, or if you've oh, had to write yeah. a dissertation or anything like that, or done your or your own research <laughs> and the methodology and everything that goes into that. So when people say I've done my research, it, it, it's not watching YouTube videos, folks. It's it's <laughs> undertaking all of this crap. <laughs> it's really true and really to sit down and write a paper and like what that involves i mean i have the highest respect for those that do so but the writing i wanted to do was to try and you know give really practical recommendations mm. right and even describe my own experiences as like a working mom a psychiatrist that i'm just another human being trying to make good trying to help people it's not like i'm not hiding behind something or you know some kind of scary psychiatrist like just I'm like you and you and everyone else. So mm. that's just another thing I'm trying to do is, is break down some of this stigma. I mean, frankly, everyone has times in their lives where they go through struggles. They feel more anxious or more down or are struggling with self-confidence. So this idea that it's somehow separate, you have your psychiatric illness patients and then you mm. have your normal patients. It's just, it, this dichotomy is just, it's a total misnomer. It just is not the way things are. I mean, you and I am sure could relate to that about mm. just times in our lives where it's like, this is not working well. And so I'm really, again, that, de you know, destigmatization, I think is so important that there's something different about being treated for depression than, you know, high blood pressure or something. It's just not, yeah. it's not accurate, not fair. And it really yeah. harms people. Yeah, you, you touched on one of, the th one of the guests you have coming on around nutrition. And I mean, I always say to clients, I've gone, look, if, if we can get a handle on, on the three basics, you're going to feel a difference. And for me, that's get some exercise, your diet. And then most importantly, and the one that I'm most interested in and why we're talking to you today is sleep mm -hmm. and, and the massive Absolutely. impact that that has on, on, on mental health. With that being said, Jennifer, you're, you're, the, you're the lady to talk on this. Have at it. Yeah, you know, I really became interested in sleep, not because I was trained in it. I mean, going through medical school and residency training, we didn't learn that much about sleep. And honestly, this is, you know, optimally eight hours of every day for us thinking about that. How have we adapted over time to be unconscious for eight hours a day? Like, clearly, there are some significant benefits to it, because when it comes to escaping predators, that's not the most helpful way to approach it, right? Mm. Just like mm. sleep for eight hours. So it's really such a powerful drive. And I tell people that, that even more so than, than food. I mean, we can unfortunately starve ourselves to, to terrible outcomes, but we can't stop ourselves from sleeping. And when we've done studies, there were some where I was previously at Penn where they've done some really interesting studies and in looking at sleep deprivation. And fewer than six hours a night, you really start to see people's ability to think and plan and remember mm -hmm. and even make decisions and like driving, for example, you really see that drop off. And what's interesting is they don't notice that it's dropping off. They'll tell you that they still feel fine. 
So there's this real disconnect between how sleep deprivation affects, I mean, in particular, there's so many other things that it affects I can get into, but affect our ability to think clearly, make decisions and, and remember things and even just, you know, being able to drive a car or do our tasks. So I talk a lot about how important that drive is and the difference between what we call insomnia, which is essentially unsatisfying sleep. It's not sleep that's feels high quality. You don't feel rested. It doesn't happen when you want it to. You're waking Mm. up too often. There's a difference between that and sleep deprivation, which is really fewer than six hours of sleep at night. That's kind of the the definition. If you're doing night shifts, then six hours per 24-hour period, I suppose. But when we talk about sleep deprivation, that's where we really can get into some of these health concerns. Like it can change the way that you crave food. You start to crave higher calorie foods. It makes it very hard to lose weight. People often gain weight. It changes your hormones that tell you you're full versus hungry so that you just want to eat more. It affects your immune system negatively. There's some data. In fact, I think it's in Denmark where it's seen as a true cancer risk that you can get you know, disability for if you have breast cancer because of the rates among people who are doing shift work and were sleep deprived for years upon years as part of their mm. work. So it can affect your ability to really prevent you know, the formation of these cancer cells. It can make you more prone to injury. I mean, just I can go on and on with what sleep deprivation can can create. And that's millions of people, even in our country and then more broadly around the world, that for whatever reason are not getting adequate sleep. That's different than insomnia. Mm -hmm. But in sleep deprivation, I want to point out that certainly social factors come into play so much here, right? As we have an economic downturn, people are working multiple jobs. They're working second and third shift or they're coming home and taking care of families. Like, where do you fit sleep in? And I think sometimes it it isn't prioritized, but often it just can't be in the setting of all of these different stressors. So obviously something bigger than just the individual needs to change to really Mm -hmm. improve people's sleep. And Mm -hmm. I I just want to point that out. So we're not saying like you, you know, fix your sleep because obviously there are a lot of pressures and factors at play. But when we talk about insomnia, that's something I really enjoy treating because people can respond so well to some behavioral techniques and changes that we use. Because often what people will do is as they have a night or two, they're not sleeping well. It's very common. Most of us throughout our life will have periods of time. We just don't sleep that well because we're excited or we're stressed Mm. or, you know, new baby or new job or, you know, we're traveling or we just got to college and we just want to party. So, you know, there are times that that happens, but what perpetuates it, what keeps it as a problem is we start to really panic about our sleep. We start to obsess (laughs) about it. We start to work really hard at sleep, right? Like tonight I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to do anything else. I guess what happens then? Yes. And then (laughs) it gets worse and worse because Mm. guess what? I mean, sleep is such a powerful drive. The things that can interrupt it though are things that are too stimulating. What's stimulating? Anxiety, caffeine, certainly, you know, fun and light and Mm. screen time. So we're really pushing against this natural drive and we can start to remove those things and we can start to remove the things that are interfering with our natural drive. We can really start to sleep better again. But the people that come to me, they're like, I've tried everything. I've tried every medication. I'm doing all the sleep hygiene, which is like dark room, cool room. Don't have alcohol or coffee right before bed. Don't exercise right before bed, but do so Mm -hmm. earlier. The things you're going to see online, for example, about how to sleep. They've done all of those perfectly, you know, type A personality, obsessive personality. I've done it all perfectly. My sleep is still terrible. That's where I start working with them on this drive and really trying to to do less, to like not work so hard. Mm. Because frankly, in a lot of other aspects of their life, work harder means you do better or you succeed or you make money or whatever it is. So with sleep, it's the opposite of that. You really have to be able to let go 
and relinquish and calm to enter into sleep because it's going to happen. It's just we can really prevent it from happening with some of our behaviors. So we help patients learn how to really train their brain that the bedroom is like this wonderful, relaxing place for sleep. Like the bed is really only for sleep and sex. That's, you know, sex if you're lucky, but sleep for sure. (laughs) Right. So no TVs in there, no screens Mm. in there, no working from bed. And that can be hard again. If someone's in a studio apartment, that's their everything. Mm. And during COVID, I get that. But optimally, bed is just for sleep. If they're stuck in bed longer than 20 minutes staring at the ceiling, they get up out of bed and go do something calming elsewhere. We even do some different restriction of sleep. If they are, this is something that happens a lot too. Okay, I hadn't slept very well last night. So instead of being in bed for eight hours, I'm going to get in bed two hours earlier and I'm going to really sleep, right? And I'm going to stay in bed an extra two hours. And so like their sleep efficiency, like the time they're in bed versus the time they're actually asleep just goes down the drain. It's just terrible. And so we have to up that efficiency by giving them shorter periods of time in the bed, which is like never very popular. People do not (laughs) like this one. They're like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'm like, well but it can really work. And to help people really get off some of the sleep meds that, again, I do use in the short term, but over the long term, nothing is truly normal sleep. Nothing really mimics normal sleep patterns. Some of them are better than others, but they all have potential side effects. And guess what? If you're groggy after taking a med the next morning, then why get a good night's sleep, right? If you're still groggy the next day, and that's that's how we kind of decide, how do we sleep? Is How do we feel yeah. the next day? So I'm not really keen on these meds, especially for long-term use. They're just not great choices. You know what else is not a a great choice, which I learned the hard way in college and probably med school, let's be honest, is alcohol. Yeah. It doesn't actually help very much with sleep, right? It it can help put you to sleep. It's a sedative, but then you start to metabolize it and those metabolites make you more anxious or stimulating. It prevents you from going into deep, restorative, restful sleep. Mm. So it's just not a good sleep aid. In fact, I think of it as like, if I'm going to have a glass of wine, I might not sleep as well tonight. Is it worth it? Is it pleasurable enough, right? Or how can I hydrate or something before bed? So those are some of the things that we work on with people to really get back to that natural state of what is my true sleep pattern? How do we optimize what we call that circadian rhythm, which is when is it nighttime? When is it daytime? Mm. And we have these circadian cells throughout our whole body. So if our sleep is messed up, that's why it messes up our gut and it messes up, you know, our immune system and it messes up our skin. And it means just, you know how you feel when you haven't gotten any sleep. You just feel terrible top to bottom. So these are some of the areas that I work on with people. And the more they learn about sleep, even though it's something we all do every day, it's amazing how little we truly know about it. But the more we learn, the more powerful we see it as like the ultimate in healing. Like if my kids are sick or having a problem, like, guess what you need to do? And they're like, go to sleep. I'm like, yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) they hate that. But it's really true. I mean, that's how you can can heal. Yeah, I I think you touched on one of the one of the big misconceptions there uh, around alcohol. You know, people say, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, have a few drinks and I just pass out. And yeah, that's right. You do, <laughs> you know, but as you said, you don't go into that restorative REM sleep. Mm-hmm. You go into the deep sleep and people think, oh God, you know, I slept so well last night, but you really didn't. Yeah. And, you know, right. I think that's, and, and I know for, I a hundred percent, I know for a fact myself, I'm not a big drinker. There'll be a few times, you know, get a little bit drunk, get, get a little bit tipsy, get a buzz going on. <laughs> and, and I don't like drinking because I don't like the impact that it has on my sleep. Yeah. And I can feel it. I can feel it the next day if I'm with clients. And like I said, I'm not drinking in any sort of excess at all. I'm talking maybe two yeah. or three drinks. Just enough. You know, I go, hey, that's that's enough now. That's that's nice. But I can feel it the next day. I'm a I'm a beat, I'm a half a beat off 
answering a question, trying to find that answer in my own mind. It's just that little bit longer just to try and access that information because it's my, my sleep has been so interrupted. And for myself or on my own mental health, I mean, I know if I'm getting burned out or, you know, my venturing into a little bit of a depressive episode is sleep straight away. It's my sleep when I'm not mm-hmm. sleeping. That's that's when I know, okay, right, this is this is the thing. And, you know, that insomnia that you mentioned of the different kinds of insomnia then as well of, you know, is it difficulty falling asleep? Is it uh, waking up in the middle of the night or is it waking up at stupid o'clock in the morning and staying awake? That's usually my one. You know, you're probably talking waking up at four or half four in the morning or something like that. Wake then until five minutes before my alarm goes off. Then the alarm goes off and I'm just like, oh. I'm dead. <laughs> I am just just wiped, absolutely wiped. So that absolutely. that misconception around alcohol and you know mm-hmm. a deep sleep, but it's not a restorative sleep, as I just said. Absolutely, and I think you're bringing up a great point too that there are different kinds of insomnia. In that, when are you having that trouble? And certainly, I wake up in the middle of the night. We all do. We go through these different stages of sleep. We come into a much more lighter or twilight sleep. Maybe we use the bathroom, come back to bed. Mm-hmm. If I find myself lying in bed, though, like three in the morning, I'm not going right back to sleep because of all of this that I've learned about sleep. I just say, okay, you know, here's my thinking time. Like, I'm going to be able to function tomorrow. Maybe I'll be a little sleepy, but it's not catastrophic. It's not the Mm -hmm. end of the world. Like, Mm -hmm. what can I think about while I'm in here? Like, finding something kind of benign, not stressful to think about. But like, you know, what do I want to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning? Or what am I going to wear tomorrow? Or like, you know, what am I going to say on this podcast that makes me sound smart and not, you know, not stupid? So, you know, these important, crucial things like that. But it really is just like, how can I just not be worked up about it? Like not yeah. say, oh my goodness, is something awful. And if I don't get any sleep, like those thoughts, if I don't get any sleep tonight, I'm going to X. Because when people look back at times when they didn't sleep very well, guess what? Most of the time they still functioned, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they mm-hmm. were a little more irritable or a little more anxious or frustrated, mm-hmm. but. They're still functioning. So really trying to challenge the sense that it's catastrophic. Yeah. But it is or was, perhaps you may know, it was a sanctioned form of torture. You went, you know, sleep deprivation mm-hmm. as, as a form of torture. So that'll tell you, <laughs> you yeah. know, how, how bad it is to, to, to not get it. Uh, Ashley, my partner, my partner in podcast, I'm partner in life. She spoke about it on the podcast just last week or the week before, perhaps. She had about a week and a half of insomnia. And did exactly what you said, you know, worried about not getting to sleep. So, of course, she didn't get to sleep. She was going on to something she never does. She had a, a couple of nights of night shift. And, you know, I, 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 I think it was last week I mentioned to her, like, that's really going to mess with your circadian rhythm. And that circadian rhythm of, you know, getting light early in the morning, sunrise as much as possible, and, you know, shutting down for sunset. And for people that work nights, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of research around the impact of that on mental and, as you touched upon earlier, physical health of, of, and how much that affects people. Because, as you said, from an evolution perspective, you know, how, how does it make sense to sleep that makes us vulnerable and at risk to predators that can see better in the dark? And and we're just there. Oh, there we go. Oh, wow. Easy meal. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Don't even have to fight this one off. It's just there lying limp. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that's really so key is to kind of recognize that and really feel that, like feel how powerful that drive is and how firmly that is entrenched in our brains and our bodies. 
And you talk about the night shift and switching back and forth. Yeah, that can be really hard on bodies. And there are some different strategies that we use. I mean, won't give medical advice on the podcast, but just like different, you know, uses of melatonin or things like that mm, that can be mm. helpful. But it really becomes like jet lag, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. always point out to people to be careful about something called social jet lag, where you maybe wake up at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends you just sleep until 10 or 11. And that really corresponds to probably about the difference between where you and I are living, right? Mm. That that's a major change that you're putting your body through. So setting a consistent wake time seven days a week, even though again, that's no one's favorite idea, <laughs> can be the best way for you to really get on a clear schedule and best for your overall health. And the more data we have even about long term, you know, when you sleep, this is so cool. When you sleep, this glymphatic system in your brain cleans things out, right? So mm. the sh- the the cells actually shrink. To make broader passageways for this system to clean out any of the debris or any sort of cellular, you know, apoptosis and everything out. And that we really need. And we think that might be linked to why people with sleep deprivation years and years can be at higher risk of things like dementia or Alzheimer's disease with these, you know, plaques and things that build up. So it's such a cool system that's evolved over eons and like just giving ourselves sleep opportunity is so important. And if you're having trouble with insomnia, Finding someone who does something like cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia or CBT for insomnia, which is the front line, the first line. Mm. It's hard to find providers, but there are more and more options. Like our veterans administration system in the States has an app that people can use. And so there are more and more people coming up with innovative ways to deliver that kind of treatment. And I would say, you know, don't sit on a med for years and years, like find other solutions because it's so much better for you. Mm. You know, I suppose one one of the biggest changes to us as humans occurred about what hundred years ago or so with with the invention of the electric light bulb. Prior to that, everything was sun up to sundown. You know, we worked with that circadian rhythm of sun to sunrise, sunset, and operated within that. Electric light bulbs changed all of that. We had night shifts, etc. Like, and every everything was was thrown off. And we 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 think we're we're living in this modern society and how it is now versus how it was for millions of years pre you know pre-humans pre-primates you know the, the brain and the evolution of it just hasn't and will not catch up just because we've changed so quickly in such a short space mm-hmm. of time that's really true i mean the idea of like work hard play hard or i'll sleep when i'm dead right like these are just such unhealthy <laughs> mm-hmm. mindsets and you really talk about like if you you know talk with professional athletes or something they're working with sleep specialists they're trying to absolutely optimize their sleep because they know it's important for healing and for performance mm-hmm. and for longevity within a sport so this idea of work hard play hard and sleep when you're dead is just so detrimental to people overall and i'm hoping we can kind of increase awareness of that so that we have you know as teenagers come up right like you say you work with a lot of teens mm-hmm. i mean they naturally interestingly have this shift biologically to a later sleep time Lovely. Their bodies i was, I was hoping you touched on that absolutely please yeah. please please <laughs> yeah. clear that up for parents of lazy <laughs> fucking teenagers who won't get out yeah. of bed yeah tell them about that jennifer <laughs> right. So, so, you know, when you're born, when you're younger, you're going to be going to bed earlier, you're going to have naps and things as you're starting to consolidate that rhythm. But as you hit those teen years, as you're maturing, the way that the brain matures, you start to have a shift to later sleep times. So a teenager going to bed now at like 930 or 10 is sort of like you and I going to bed at like 6pm. Like mm. it just feels very early for them because biologically they have this shift. And then guess what? That shifts them into a later sleep time. And so when you have school starting or extracurricular starting so early in the morning and these kids just really struggle to get to sleep the night before, well, they're chronically sleep deprived. 
And that brings up what? Irritability. They don't learn as well. They don't remember things as well. They don't, you know, we release growth hormone at night. So mm -hmm. their ability to really grow and mature also can be limited. And you're right. Parents or other caretakers can say, this kid, he's just up late on his phone. He's not getting up in the morning. Like, sure, there are aspects of that that mm -hmm. we can help them modulate. But also recognizing that this is biology, just as much as it is someone who's in their 70s and 80s who start to want to fall asleep around 8 p.m., that's that natural biological shift as we come earlier or as we get older, we start to go to bed earlier or fall asleep earlier. So part of this is we're fighting this really powerful biology. How do we come up with some strategies? I do love the movement we have in the States for later start times for school, for example, yeah, because I think that can a lot really of scientists help. and researchers really pushing. Exactly. What, what time does typically start school in, in the US? Is, is it eight? Or nine. Well, I think some of the schools will start at eight, right? Mm. But sometimes there'll be extracurriculars beforehand, Before, sports wow. or other things ahead of time, you know, and some schools start even earlier than that because they want to fit more things in after school, right? Like it's these good intentions, mm. but I think then you really are affecting these teens' ability to learn. I mean, you look at COVID, many of them were starting to sleep better and that actually led to some improvement in some of these parameters because they weren't running from thing to thing. So I think we really have to think about what's best for our kids and our teens and try and make some choices based on that as opposed to fitting as much as we can in those 16 hours of the day that we're awake. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go, parents. Maybe your kid is lazy or maybe it's just his neurobiology and his circadian yeah. rhythm is, is completely shifted. It's his brain. Yeah. And I'm sure many teenagers that may be listening to this are going, oh, I'm going to use that one. <laughs> it's just yes, my circadian rhythm. It's not because I was yes. on Snapchat till 3 a.m. last night. <laughs> I was, but it's not All because right, of that. <laughs> yeah, they might both be involved. That's true. Yeah, you you mentioned one thing there. I'm not sure if it's much of an uh, a thing over here, but you mentioned melatonin as as mm. prescribed over there. And I know, again, you know, in particular with teenagers and young kids, and the impact that that has uh, on the developing brain. Uh, if you could maybe elaborate a little bit on melatonin for for people that 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 don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, frankly, melatonin, you know, is in our body. So it is a hormone that our, our body releases as we're getting toward night. It's sort of a signal to our brains and bodies like it's we're getting toward time for sleep, right? So mm. our pineal gland takes in the light, it responds to that, it releases the melatonin. So yeah. it's in all of us. We all have some melatonin telling us that it's time to sleep. They've studied it a lot of ways because they want to see whether or not adding a pill or some sort of external melatonin could actually help with sleep. And there's a lot of misinformation about it and misuse of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Not that it's addictive, which I really don't believe that it is. We don't have any data to suggest that. But just that it's not that helpful in the majority of cases. It's not a sedative. It's mm -hmm. a signal to your brain. So you have to take it a few hours before bed. And where we really have some data to support its use is in the elderly, because again, they start to have a waning of that circadian rhythm strength as their brains change with time but also with shift work or jet lag, those kinds of things where you're really doing sudden shifts in your circadian rhythm. This can be a helpful signal used in very, very low doses. The trouble is it's over the counter. So people think if, if less is good, then more is better. And they end up taking a lot of it. That just increases risk of side effects. It doesn't necessarily help. Mm. And I think your average individual, average adult trying to take this to help with sleep if they have insomnia, 
it sometimes can be counterproductive because it's like, well, I'm taking this pill and that's still not working. So my sleep must really be bad. And then they get more upset or more anxious about it. So, you know, I'm not a, a big fan of melatonin except for in really specific situations. And I, I think, think it's you know, for prescription kids, here. I, I think it's only prescription here. Yeah. To, to the best of my knowledge, I, I, I don't think it's, uh, it's over the counter here. You need, you need a prescription. Yeah. But so. in the U.S. it is over the counter, isn't it? You just go in and buy it. It is over the counter. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So So we've talked about, I suppose, sleep from an evolutionary perspective, changes to sleep. What can we do about that, Jennifer? What's some some way that we can help improve people in sleep, you know, and how that relates to mental health and how that relates to, to, to physical health? Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Absolutely. So I think there are some key key aspects of things. One is that recognizing the more consistency we have with our sleep, the better we're going to sleep. So if we're going to bed around the same time each night and we're waking up around the same time each morning, that can help really entrain that information into the brain so that we have that circadian rhythm really entrained into the brain. It can be hard to do that. And sometimes there are going to be things that come up, you know, a wedding to attend or a party, or you have to be really up early for a flight or you end up accidentally sleeping in. It's not so harmful if you have a chance that you can get back right on track, right? So that you're able to kind of stay on track and get back to it. So even if there's a disruption, even if there's something that kind of goes outside of the norm for your sleep pattern, this is true of kids too. The more consistency you have otherwise, the better things are going to be. So that's really important. Mm. The other thing is not adding things in that are going to you know, interfere with sleep. So things that are too stimulating, caffeine, ideally in the morning, usually not after early afternoon. We talked about alcohol, certainly. Um, working on those, some of those anxious thoughts that are coming up at night related to sleep. Your, your body and your brain will take the sleep it needs. In fact, it'll put you to sleep during the day if it needs to. So it doesn't have to be you know something that you are fighting for and battling for. Like If you can actually relinquish <laughs> your focus and energy on it, it can start to re, kind of recalibrate itself and get back on track. So maybe it's working with a therapist about some of those anxious thoughts that come up. Maybe it's writing down some of those at night and sort of physically setting them aside to say, okay, Mm. these are some thoughts. Maybe it's working on learning how to use mindfulness, whether meditation, which is some people enjoy, some people have trouble. They're like, I can't meditate. I just think about too many things. Well, that's, that's best. That's the point is trying to figure out how to manage those thoughts. Right. (laughs) But even just mindfulness, like what am I truly feeling now? What am I Mm. experiencing now? So I'm not living in that worried future. And that's true for anxiety in general. It's like, how can I get into this present moment and also find more neutral ways of anticipating the future? And that's what I was suggesting with, you know, if I don't sleep tonight, you know, what if I don't sleep tonight and I'm terrible tomorrow? Like shifting that to an if-then statement. If I don't sleep that well tonight, then tomorrow, yes, I might be a little more sleepy, but I'm still going to be okay. And I'll sleep great the next night, right? It's like, how can we shift what our anticipation is and also practice really being present in our present moment. What am I feeling, hearing, tasting, seeing right now? Whatever it may be that kind of helps you drop into that present moment. I think that can be good for us across the board when it comes to these things, but particularly in sleep, because it's it's really a relinquishing, it's a letting go, it's a relaxing into sleep. So looking into mindfulness, I find just reading mindfulness very about mindfulness very soothing. Mm. Just like, oh mm. yes. And then I try and then I'm <laughs> thinking of fifteen thousand things. But it's something that's good to keep trying, right? To keep yeah. trying to do. And and those are some of the areas. Not saying, oh, I've always been a bad sleeper. My mom's a bad sleeper. Therefore, I am. Like, 
biologically, we're all designed to be good sleepers. We just have to find ways to eliminate some of those distractions. I want to, I want to make this point because Ashley, my partner, will listen back to this, and I, I'm constantly at her for her sleep. And mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I I know I know her schedule. I know she's like, oh, I was up to like three o'clock last night. I don't know why you couldn't sleep. You think it might have been the coffee? You think it might have been the coffee and the Lucasid? I don't. I know you don't have Lucasid over there, but again, high caffeinated drink over here. So she's she's drinking coffee at eleven o'clock, maybe half eleven at night, um, and then. I don't know, and then she kept us know why she can why she can't sleep. So <laughs> cut, cut the caffeine back to about four or five hours before bedtime, if 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 not more, if if possible. I think for for most people, definitely. And you know, as a light sleeper, something I want to point out is that I work with people mm. who are you know married or with a partner and have them in bed, or dogs or cats or pets or otherwise. Mm. And I really try to help them see, like, look, if you are getting good sleep. You're going to be a better partner. You're going to be a better whatever it may be because you're not going to be as irritable. You're going to be more engaged and focused. And if that means that sleeping with your partner is not something that's best for you, there are ways to have intimacy and connection at the beginning of the evening and in the morning. It doesn't mean you'd have to be sleeping in the same space. And sometimes Mm. I do encourage people for a period of time to sleep in different areas. If one's really snoring or one's really ill and coughing and keeping someone up, when my husband's on call, sometimes he sleeps elsewhere because we both sleep better. It's just mm-hmm. something to, to not see it as, oh, we're not getting connected or there's a problem in our relationship, but just like, let's give each other this opportunity to get the best sleep we can and come back together tomorrow and see how we feel and how we engage with each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's really thinking about how do I make my sleeping space the best for me? Because then I can show up the best for those in my life. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something there around snoring, and you know what, and what that's like for the other partner, and the the impact that that has on relationships, uh, where people may not have the opportunity to to sleep in another room. You know, there may be kids. You know, all the rooms are taken. Uh, that that has a huge a huge effect on on, on relationships. I think where one partner mm-hmm. snores and it's it's a race to sleep. You know, the, the other partner is trying to get to sleep before the before the partner that snores. Yeah. Yeah, it can yeah. Be I, I had difficult. one night of that. I had one night of that with a friend of mine one time. We went to a gig and we were in Dublin. I was like, we'll just get a hotel room. We can have a few drinks and we'll relax. And I was like, there's no point getting separate rooms. We're literally only going to be there to sleep. And he snored through the night. And at mm-hmm. one point I was like, I'm going to strangle you. I am absolutely <laughs> going to murder you. He woke up the next morning. He's like, well, well, how are you? I was like, don't even look at me. What was wrong with you? I said, I'm telling you now, your wife is a saint. She is an absolute saint if that's what she puts up with. <laughs> I was fit to kill him. I never, I never slept a wink. So, oh, man. fair play to anyone out there with a partner that snores that has to endure that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can remember. I actually lived in Galway in Ireland when I was oh, wow. in college and traveled around to different hostels and different areas. And when you're in mm. those rooms with a number of other people, there were many yeah. nights where it was just forget it. And I think I am a fairly light sleeper as well, and I just could not sleep and then that frustration that you feel that rage that you feel when you're not sleeping well (laughs) is so difficult i mean to to bring up even with the snoring something really important is you know the the rates of sleep apnea or obstructive sleep apnea are fairly high and the diagnosis can really be go undetected for a long time especially if people don't fit the classic you know maybe being overweight or having Mm -hmm. a loud snore you know things like that that are more classic But in general, when we talk about sleep apnea, right, it's sort of a closing off of that windpipe at night, whether it's related to tissue or some abnormality within the throat. And that can really put people at risk of being constantly sleep deprived because their body's having to wake them up over and over again to make sure they breathe, right? Mm -hmm. And that can make it really hard to control your blood pressure, 
People can gain weight. It's very hard to lose weight with untreated sleep apnea because, again, you're not getting good sleep. So there are good evaluations. You can do a home sleep test, which is not as good as, you know, in the clinic. But if that's an option for you, and I don't know what they have in your health system, but, you know, getting a workup for sleep apnea, people can use different treatments for that and really feel much better rested and, and just find that their other health parameters start to improve. So if someone's really snoring a lot or it feels like they're kind of gasping for air, their partner's hearing that at night, mm. you know, or if they're doing all sorts of unusual movements or things at night, that can be a sign of another sleep disorder. So as a partner, if your partner's driving you nuts in bed, maybe there's something that they maybe should be worked up for to see if there could be a treatment or something else to be helpful for them. And then secondarily to you, of course. Uh, one other thing that you, you may be able to speak upon, Jennifer, is naps. Good or bad? You know, what's 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 the kind of the take on it? Yeah, I mean, as an adult, isn't it funny when you're younger, you fight naps so much, but as an adult, it's the best. It's just the best. I, I can tell you now, typically my, you know, some my busy day, I'll have a few clients in the morning and then I may have two hours before I'm back down in the office and it is a race home to get a nap in. And food before I go back to the office. It's literally got to get home, got to get home, got to get a nap. Yeah. Ten, 10 minutes power nap, just quick nap. Absolutely. I mean, naps can be amazing. I love the story. My grandfather would come home from his medical practice, have lunch, take a quick nap. And the kids all knew there were six of them had to be quiet for his nap. And then he went back to work. Naps can be really restorative. We just want to mm. make sure like anything else, we're doing them in moderation. So we're talking yeah, 20 to 30 yeah. minutes not long enough that, you know, we have kind of 90 minute cycles of these different stages of sleep. You don't want to get into these deeper stages of sleep during a nap. You want to stay in a little bit lighter sleep because otherwise you can wake up. We've all done it. Wake up disoriented and like, yeah, whoa, yeah. especially if what it turns night while you're sleeping. Yeah. Like where am I? Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to do these sh shorter naps, kind of power naps. And depending on how your sleep is, some people can sleep no matter what. And if they don't have any trouble with insomnia, okay, maybe they take a nap in the middle of the afternoon and it doesn't affect their sleep. But for people who especially have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, I generally say, let's bring the nap as early in the day as we can mm. because your sleep drive builds up throughout the day. You have a chemical called adenosine among others mm -hmm. that build up throughout the day. And that's what tells you you're sleepy and you get sleepier and sleepier. And if you take a nap, it's sort of like if you're trying to fill a glass, you empty a little bit of the glass, right? So you don't have the sleep drive that helps you at night. So if someone has insomnia, we're really careful about naps. Maybe they do a little nap, you know, even before noon or right after lunch, like, you know, like you've described, because that can actually help make up for some of the loss at night. But if they mm. really are not sleeping well at night, a nap can just can interfere with that. So I'm all for naps if people can tolerate it, if they can keep them short relatively earlier in the day. There yeah. was some interesting data about people taking before like a night shift, like a nurse or physician or others in that field or with night shifts, taking a nap right before their shift actually seem to be helpful for them to kind of get through that shift. So just a quick like 20 minute nap before you go to your 11 p.m. shift, what have you, can be helpful to kind of people keep people focused and on task as opposed to like all the sleep that you would get after. So I think naps can be really helpful and pleasurable as we both alluded to. Yeah. You just gotta be careful about how we're doing them. The length, yeah. So yeah. Ashling, not three hour naps. Not three hour <laughs> naps, like I keep telling you. <laughs> And then wondering why you can't sleep at night. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you love when your baby sleep that long or nap that long, but as we get older, that can really deplete us from a good night's sleep. Maybe maybe a little bit on that. I, I know you're a mom yourself, Jennifer, but sleep and pregnancy and babies and, you know, sleep when the baby sleeps and all of this kind of thing. Yeah. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. 
Absolutely. And there are different phases of it, right? You're in your first trimester of pregnancy. You're just exhausted. You have the pregnancy hormones that are increasing. You're getting nauseated. You're not eating that well. Sleep just can be disrupted. You can feel very tired. Middle of the pregnancy, maybe things are a little bit better. And then you get to the third trimester and then just your body has changed so much and it's very hard to find a comfortable position. Mm. So they are waking up more frequently at night. So you see all these, you know, pillows and things that they use to try and get a good night's rest. And it really, it just can be very difficult to do so. And again, it's trying not to be fearful of this, like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Like, I need to fix this right away. But recognize like, yeah, my body is a little uncomfortable. And that might be a time that my spouse or partner sleeps elsewhere if they can, or that she's going to sleep in a chair because it's a little more comfortable for her or propped Mm. up with pillows, or there'll be some other accommodations. It's temporary, but that might be something that could be helpful. Maybe pets are not in the room and things like that. And then in the postpartum, you know, we're always trying to piece out like, Is it because the baby's not sleeping well? Because babies, when they're first born, they don't have any circadian rhythm. They can't sleep for an extended amount of time. Mm. Is it because they're waking moms up or a mom's starting to have more and more trouble sleeping because of anxiety or postpartum depression that could be interfering with their ability to sleep even when they can? And that can be a sign, you know, of those kinds of troubles. So if she's just finding, like, I lie there in bed and I just worry about my child for an hour or two and can't sleep, well, then it might make sense to speak to a therapist, speak to your, you know, obstetric provider and sort of say, this is what's happening. Do you have any strategies for me? Because sleeping when the baby sleeps, it's great in an you know, ideal world, but come yeah, on, let's be yeah. practical. When are you going to get everything else done when that baby's sleeping, right? So <laughs> that can be very hard to navigate. Do you have any you know, partners in, at home? Do you have anyone that can help with some of the overnight shifts, right? If you want to pump and use a bottle that, you know, that can be fed by a partner overnight, or if you want to use formula because you know for your mental health, you need to get more sleep, you know, breast milk is great, but to, to use breast milk exclusively in, and also have that be really interfering with your health, with your ability to sleep, that's not good for mom or baby to have yeah. mom so stressed. So it's balancing that. It's not having these fixed expectations about what a good mom would do, what have you. It's how can I find help and support? whether it's a night nurse or whether it's someone that can give the baby a bottle, whether it's a chance to take a nap and letting things be a little messier, whatever it may be. I was always thrilled if I like, took a shower every day. I was like, success, like I've done it. That was about <laughs> the max of my expectations. Yeah. But yeah. setting some of those expectations. But if you're really not sleeping well, really having like intrusive imagery about, you know, something happening to the baby or something like that, that can be very normal in postpartum. But when it starts to happen more and more frequently or it's really disrupting people's you know, overall health or thinking, that's where it's maybe time to reach out and talk to someone about it because you don't deserve to feel that way after a baby. With the hormonal flux and your body changing and whether you had a C-section or vaginal delivery, you've got all these things that are healing up. Like mm-hmm. You need your rest. And so finding ways to do that with as little guilt as possible, as little judgment as possible is really important. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the mothers I work with as clients, the the biggest judgment on that is of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I should be able to do all of this. You know, yeah. I should be able to. You know, it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. No, it's absolutely true. And I work with so many women, and to a person that that statement comes out like, if I were a good mother, if I knew how to do this right. Mm-hmm. But guess what? This is an extraordinary circumstance that you're going through. It's a beautiful circumstance, but it is exhausting and frustrating and scary, all these things. So having other new moms that you can talk to or moms who relatively recently had a baby and understand, remember, because you know, hormones kind of block some of those things out over time. 
but find your community, you know, find other women who are doing this and are having some of these struggles because don't go on Instagram and look at a new mom who's all like done up and like breastfeeding at her photo shoot. Ring light. Yeah. Full makeup. (laughs) Yeah. Not covered in sick, not covered in poop. Exactly. Exactly. That's just like smelling badly all the time. So don't don't go to those resources, go to real people, go to real Mm. like collaborative groups and things like that, because they exist. There's postpartum international. There are a lot of different websites for this. So I'm happy to give you some links so you can post elsewhere, but they're just a lot of good options. So don't suffer through, you know, sleep deprivation, insomnia, postpartum insomnia, any of that by yourself. You don't have to. Jennifer, for anyone that wants more information about yourself or they may need to reach out to yourself for some help, how, how can people find you out there on the internet? On the internet, yes. So I am on, my website is just thereflectivedoc.com, D-O-C.com. I'm on Instagram as the reflective doc. I'm not posting immediate postpartum pictures with my bright lights and shining. I'm trying to just put some information out there and be real because a lot of people mm. I think could, could really benefit. So yeah, the reflective doc podcast, it's on Apple, Spotify, things like that. So would love to hear people's thoughts or have them take a listen and hopefully they find some of it helpful. Yeah, I'm sure they will, as anyone that will listen to this interview will certainly find it very helpful. Jennifer, thank you so much for for giving us your time, and and thank you for coming on and and sharing your your wisdom. It's been a pleasure, Alan. Thank you for having me. So that was Straight Talking Sleep with Dr. Jennifer Reed. Before we leave the last word and the words of wisdom with Jennifer, which are worth sticking around for, I assure you. But first of all, how, how good was that interview? You know, really... You know, if you're not taking some sleep tip from there that's going to help you improve your sleep, which will help you to improve your physical health and your mental health, as Jennifer discussed, you know, we're doing something wrong, but we'll we'll try harder next time, we promise. If you want to check us out on any social media, you know what to do, folks. STMH Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And catch me on the TikTok Live at 8 p.m. every Sunday night. That's 8 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, just for wherever you are in the world. A big help to us is if you give a comment or share on any of the posts that you may see on any of the social media. Give it a share with your friends. You know, maybe they've got difficulty sleeping. Maybe they could need a little bit of advice that maybe you didn't even know about. But just sharing that because it's happened in the past. Someone just randomly sharing on the timeline. Someone has heard it and go, oh, my God, my friend shared it. And the, the people have emailed us to let us know. Loving it. I'm working my way through your back catalog. Means it means a lot to us and it helps a lot of people. The other big thing you could do to help us would be to give us a five star rating on Spotify and iTunes. If you could do that, just hit five stars. If you've learned something or we'll give you a chuckle along the way. We'd really appreciate that. We're going to leave the last word with Jennifer, as we always do. We're going to be back next week. That's right. Don't forget, we're back weekly. So we're going to be back on the same bat time, same bat channel. But in the meantime, folks, look after yourselves and look after each other. One of the things we ask of every guest that comes on, Jennifer, whether it's sleep-related or just life-related, is we ask them to share some words of wisdom, something they've taken from this life so far that could be sleep-related, it could be just some life-learning you've taken yourself. Mm. Is there anything you would you would like to share with the listeners in, in under that? Yeah, you know, something I like to say and really keep in mind is the phrase, you know, your mind should be on your side. And I think that comes up so much when you're fighting your mind because you're anxious, you're fighting because you can't sleep, you're feeling really hard on yourself, really critical of yourself, like these new moms we mentioned, that if you're your worst enemy, if you're this really critical coach in your ear, if you are just this negative voice constantly, it's very hard to thrive in that setting. So finding ways to get your mind on your side so it really feels like you're moving forward together, I think that's where good quality therapy, like you're describing, can really come in handy but it's also surrounding yourself with people who help you build and flourish in those ways and learn how to talk to yourself with kindness and curiosity instead of judgment and criticism. It's